Hi, heathens. Did you know that this is actually kind of sort of the conclusion, the part two, the to be continued of another conversation? Because this is crossover week. In the style of 90s must-see TV, we have taken the power of two great shows. Ours, of course, being Heathen, and another great show that is called The Kate and Colby Show, and we have done crossover episodes. So, hashtag Fierce4, hashtag Power Podcasting. Uh, I would love it if, before you listened to this conversation, you went over and checked out my friends The Kate and Colby Show, because this previous week, uh, Karen and I have been on that show. We were guests uh, the very first time, actually, that we... we uh, went and as guests on a different podcast together, and we got interviewed by Kate and Colby, who are our very good friends and who are the people you're going to meet on this episode of Heathen. So it's not required. Uh, you will be able to follow this conversation uh, without the other one, but I think it's going to be a much richer experience if you get the whole thing. Um, both conversations were just like full of tears, full of tangents, um, lots of looking into deep into our own pasts and experiences and then looking into each other's eyes, honestly, and calling out the things that we see and recognize in each other. And it's just, it's just been the best therapy I've ever had. Literally, I've never gone to a therapist's office and gotten more work done than I have in these two conversations. So I'm so excited for you to hear this one, but I can wait. I can sit here and wait for an hour and a half while you go check out the other conversation first. Okay, do that, and then let's dive in to our amazing guests here, Kate and Colby. So uh, before we do that, a couple quick reminders. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, we have a secret, hidden, private uh, Facebook group. It's called The Heathen Huddle, as Karen likes to say. Huddle up, heathens! And uh, we'd love to invite you to that if, if you are interested in having conversations with other folks who listen to the podcast and doing so in a space that is private and safe. Um, it's a really great group of folks. It's super supportive. I really love that we've got this little little community happening. So you are welcome to join. All you have to do to be in there is send us an email. Uh, askheathen at gmail.com. And make sure that it's your email address that's associated with your Facebook account. We will send you an invite. Okay, uh, number two, oh, the Heathen Haberdashery. We love alliterations here, folks. We really do. Heathen Haberdashery is our online store. It's been up and running for a few weeks. We've sold a few t-shirts, few uh, pullovers, and uh, all of that money in those, in those first few weeks of it being open went to support a uh, shelter, uh, an immigrant refugee shelter here in San Diego. So thank you to everyone who... Uh, bought some merch in those first couple weeks. The store's still open, uh, and you can go check out all the amazing stuff that's there. Karen did a great job of putting that store together. I designed a few things around our favorite phrases and ideas and concepts that have come out of the podcast so far. So um, if you want a shirt that says, this is the way we fergangenheitsbewaltzegang, you can get that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can say you can only get that at the Heathen Haberdashery. I don't think it's going to be anywhere else in the world. So it's there. Uh, it's on our website, heathenpodcast.com. And lastly, oh, our Patreon account. We're trying to be, uh, we're trying to, you know, 
talk about it. Look, I can't even talk about it now as I'm trying to talk about it. It's weird to ask for support. It's weird to ask for money. Um, but podcasts cost money. Uh, we love doing this work. We're not going anywhere. But um, we've had a little a little bump here on, on our Patreon, and that's been super encouraging and super awesome. We'd love to get a few more folks in there to help cover the costs of putting this thing together. Um, as we do, as you join, we are going to be um, adding bonus, special bonus content uh, just for the Patreon supporters. So that's coming in season three. So uh, please check that out. It's patreon.com slash heathen podcast. There you go. There's a store. There's a Facebook group. There's a Patreon. We'd love for you to check all three of them out. All right. Let's go talk to Kate and Colby. Okay. Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, Heathens. Hi, Heathens. Hey, uh, <laughs> it's crossover week. Crossover week. With the Kate and Colby show. Yeah, which means today I'm Melissa Joan Hart. And I am, wait. We're also, both, we're both Joan <laughs> that's right. I'm the Clarissa version. And I'm Sabrina, the teenage yeah. witch. That's great. I'm glad we get to continue that for another week. Yes. I missed it a little bit when it was gone. Yeah, we were inspired by 90s NBC sitcom crossovers. Mm-hmm. Not just NBC, I guess, because neither of the shows we're referencing were on NBC. I'm probably Some the only it. person who I knows love that, that. You but know that. I do know no that. No idea. Why do you know what network? <laughs> because Clarissa was Nickelodeon and Sabrina was ABC. Come on, guys. Like, mm. <laughs> and Nickelodeon, no, I'll give you, right. but ABC, how did you. How Here is a thing I used to do. I When the TV Guide Fall uh, preview issue came out every year, uh, which was like a big double issue with every network, which was back then was only four networks, of course, because cable was, you know, burgeoning, I guess. Um, I would memorize the schedule for all four of the major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and then later on the CW and the WB, which merged. Um, and then I would give my sister the TV guide and I'd be like, okay, no, pick a night no. and a time and a channel. I'll tell you what's on. <laughs> Quiz me. Yes. And she would. She'd be like, Wednesday, 9 p.m. NBC. John Larroquette show. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. I love you so much. Why? Why did you do this? Oh, that probably goes into <laughs> some emotional issues that are too deep for me to unpack right now. It's too much. It was your blankie. We'll do, we'll do yeah, 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 I yeah. Was, there's this podcast actually called Raised by TV that's really funny mm. that is, I mean, I totally relate to. Yeah. The, my thing was, though, I had to do it all in secret because we weren't allowed to watch most of television. Mm, right, you know? right. So yeah. I was, I had this, I had a very secret TV How did you get the TV guide? My mom subscribed to it. Okay. <laughs> That's just mean. Yeah. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. She gets shouted out on this. She'll never know how much she gets shouted out on this show. Um, no, we, she, yeah. Because we had, like, we did have our, we would watch Sunday Night, Dr. Quinn, Touched by an Angel. We would watch oh, sure. Star Trek Next Generation. We would watch Quantum Leap. So there were shows that we had at, like, appointment television as a family. I mean, all great. Those are great. Yeah, those are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is 
I don't, we're already on tangent, man. So we have Kate and Colby here. So we have Kate and Colby. Just like my favorite podcast. Kate Christensen Martin, who has been on the show before. Hi, heathens. Coming back. <laughs> Heathen Alum. back, but not with me. You haven't been on with me. I know, that's true. Hi. Hi. I would highly recommend, <laughs> heathens, that you go check out that episode, too, if you haven't heard it yet. Um, it's called How to Preach Unbelief, mm-hmm. and it's phenomenal. And sorry, I'm turning on the Do Not Disturb so we don't hear that ding again. Um, <laughs> and then Colby Martin. What up? Hello, fellow heathens. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being <laughs> on the It's good to show. be here. Oh, is oh, it? you doing accents now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Guys, that was good. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. Weirdly. Well. Can't stop, won't stop. But I did just stop to say Great. that. <laughs> So, welcome, you guys. I'm so glad that we're doing this. We were just on your... Th- this very week, in fact, uh, we are on your podcast. So much fun. Yeah. Hence the whole crossover. That was one of my favorite conversations that's ever happened in Me the history too. of conversation. That was the only... We, we both went home, like, deeply moved <laughs> that conversation. Sincerely. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. We have a purpose and a mission. I The yeah. plan was to record these back to back. And we finished night. the Katie Colby oh, Show episode. You ruined us. <laughs> 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 we were like, well, we have to process now before we it's can record It's true. You hit <laughs> stop and you're like, guys, I can't do another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like, as much done. as we can do. We're done. <laughs> but we were all talking we were about how podcasts too. are like therapy. Like, it's yeah. so good. It really is. It really is. Like my favorite thing. Even as a listener, sometimes listening to other podcasts, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a therapy session for mm-hmm. me. But certainly, as someone participating in it, I'm like, mm-hmm. I get some real work done in these hours. Right? That's actually what I said. I think after yeah. that, I was like, I got more work done in this hour than oh, I did yeah. in my hour with my therapist this week. That's right. That's specifically what you said about therapy. You're like, it's better than therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast better than therapy. Podcast yeah. better than therapy. Ah, oh, so good. Mm-hmm. So um, let's do our thing. And do self-introductions, <laughs> just like it's the first day of school. Who would you like to be in the world? Yeah, tell us Oh, who. is that the question? Well, I mean, <laughs> it has to be loosely based in reality, the but yeah, you get to paint your own picture. You, like, describe yourself, okay. and Haley kind of started this, like, kickoff of don't say what you do to describe who you are, but you can say what you do, but, like... Oh, good, because I disagree with Haley vehemently. <laughs> That's how I protect myself is by just saying what I do. Exactly, that's Haley's point. That's what we all do. So you gotta, you gotta break through that. No, 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 no. That's what I do. I don't understand. I don't have. There is, there is no alternate way for plan. me to introduce myself. The plan, and that's the plan. Okay. The point is, you can introduce yourself however you would like to oh, introduce great. yourself. Great. So it's true. When we recorded our episode, uh, and. You guys reference that this is how you start Heathen. I made the mental note to prepare for this moment. Nice. Excellent. Sweet Enneagram 3. Absolutely. Prepared. I wanted to be prepared. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a good, solid, slightly moving, slightly original, well thought out answer. Mm-hmm. I love you. But I didn't. <laughs> oh, but, I, but I totally forgot. <laughs> so, so I'm just flying by the seat here. Um, all right, my name is Colby, and uh, there are some things that I do, and I do them in the world from a genuine place of, um, because it's what I love to do. Like, it is part of me to create. And so uh, I'm an author of one and a half book, half book, because it's coming out uh, soon. Um, I am a co-pastor at the church um, titled Sojourn Grace Collective, along with my wife, Kate. Uh, I father four children. Along with Kate as well, co-parent. 
Um, Listen to that present tense. I love that. I father. Yeah, it is not over yet. Mm. It is happening. That's good. Um, so those are some of the things I do. Uh, who who am I? I'm. Uh, that's harder for me to answer. I've been in a, a, a period of self discovery the last couple of years. Mm. Um, so I've I've had a lot of unknowing. So I could almost answer more of who I'm not mm. right now than I could who I am. Um, so I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure out who the authentic me is because most of my life has been spent creating images and projections of who I want other people to think that I am, uh, which is successful and someone to be admired, someone to um, respect. I'm, I've hustled for my worth and value um, several marathons worth uh, over throughout my life. So now that I'm, I'm trying to stop that hustle and really figure out who I am. I don't have a lot of answers for that. Mm. Uh, so I, I think even at times on our, on our own podcast, Kate has described me for me to the <laughs> listeners. Uh, so it's really helpful to have her set of eyes, but I don't know, maybe if I get the honor to be on your show in like another year or two, I might have a better response right now. I do some things in the world. And one of those things is to try and figure out who I am. Okay, That's you great. said maybe better, but that was freaking beautiful. Yeah, like you just made me cry. <laughs> like just describing what you're not and like the unknowing. That's describing who you are. Like you're a person who's doing that work and has done that work. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah, that was good. Oh, I agree. That was really good. I love it. Thank you. You're really welcome. Neat. That's my friend Colby Martin right there, folks. <laughs> um, Kate. Don't That's me, leave. the one already crying. <laughs> yep, yep. Start early. Good. Karen and I, fun fact, Karen, <laughs> co-host of Heathen, and me, Kate, co-host of Kate Cole Show, we don't ever sit in the same room together without crying. I don't ever. think it's, it's ever happened. It's not once happened. Really? Not at church. Mentioning not at the this coffee is going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> like, whether it's the communion line or a coffee table or randomly at some friend's party, like, we will find a way to make each other cry. We were at, like, this huge party out at our friend's um, Italian via, um, or what do you, how do you describe their house? Tuscan via heaven. Um, heaven. Is it not yeah. Villa? And, Villa, sorry. No, I don't actually know. Now I'm curious. I think it maybe is Villa, but also we live five feet from Mexico. So mm. like, it's so I've turned into doing that all the time because right. I'm a San Diegan now. So I just turn all double up. I think it doesn't either one. So the Spantalian version. <laughs> anyway, um, we just, we were at this huge party and we still found a way to make each other tear. It yeah, just happens really no good. matter what we do. <laughs> we like try to just <laughs> like hang out and have fun. We, we had cry. a meeting. When was it where you were, you were coming in and you were... You were teary about something, and you sat down, and you were teary about it already. And then I started tearing up about it before. I was like, "Why are we crying? <laughs> what is it? Okay, tell me. I don't know. It's already we had happening." We business meeting, and I sat down, and I like had tears in my eyes, and I said, "I gotta tell you, like, what I'm crying about." And she just starts crying. And I'm like, That's so great. I'm in it. I'm here. I'm with you. So yeah, that happens. So yeah. this should be successful. <laughs> <laughs> Success is not determined by number of tears or not. So. Outside of person who makes me cry. Yeah. Kate. Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny. I've you described to, myself you on your show before, so yeah. Yeah. I need to know if it's different. Um, I think I'm a life enthusiast. I just really, really, really love life. Like, There's not a day that goes by, even my darkest days, where I'm not like truly conscious of how much I love life. Like, um I just get excited about the tiniest stupid things. That's mm-hmm. why I cry so much because mm-hmm. I just notice every detail of life and love it. Um, 
the tiny things like donuts and coffee and tacos to TV shows to the big life moments to the darkest, deepest stuff. It just all matters so much to me. Um, I just love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am a person who goes really dark, <laughs> really deep, really fast. Um, I spend a lot of my life in the darkness, in the dark night of the soul. Um, and for a long time, I was super insecure about that. And now I just, I can't even remember what that's like to feel insecure about that. Like that's, I'm so far from that place. And now I look back on that sweet, sweet girl and go, oh, dear God, like you're the best. That's so cool. Like mm. I just, I love that about myself now. Um, probably because I love myself now, which is another thing about me. I just truly, truly like me and being me. Um, and I'm an enthusiast for that and want to spread that shit everywhere like confetti. So um, that's who I am. If people don't know us already, they should just watch that one episode of Parks and Rec where Chris Traeger is like <laughs> struggling with like depression and April mm-hmm. Ludgate that just has an like, honest heart to heart to him. Because Chris Traeger is pretty much me so everything's awesome all the time and have to spin everything to be awesome and you are april and so you remember that episode where april tells chris um well chris Chris is like i feel like i'm going to the dark and i don't want to go to the dark and april's like she's like first of all go to the dark the dark is awesome so (laughs) go to the dark that's so us it's true that's true i've been dragging you into the darkness yeah ever (laughs) i love the dynamic it's what one of the many things that makes you two super interesting to listen to on your own show and just in general. Every week we get to hear you um, at Sojourn. I love it. It's <laughs> I, On a recent episode of your show, I, took, I'm, I produce your show, uh, so I get to sometimes Best take the... Ever. Thank you. Uh, I get to take little clips of funny, like, interactions that happen before or after the official episode. We have so much trust in you. (laughs) (laughs) I have, yeah, I have some good... You have our lives in your hands. I have some good blackmail material. Everything. All the secrets. The weirdest shit. Um, But no, there was a really funny one where you guys started out your episode... Oh, it was, uh, I was asking which trash can was recycling, and I said something about, you know, is it, is it the first one? And you said, Kate, you said yes, and Colby, you said, it's the one on the left, on the right. And, and you're like, well, why can't you just say, like, yeah, like, like yes, it's the first one. He's, and Colby, of course, goes through his explanation of, no, here's why. <laughs> like, I had to specify. <laughs> and you just both said, we have different ideas or we have we think so differently about in unison you just said everything and I was just like that is like the most perfect encapsulation of this relationship you know you want to know what's great about that though from a purely selfish level yes I listen to the Kate and Colby podcast and I like have I have a very Colby half of my being like we have a lot of ways in which we move through the world really similar Mm -hmm. but I also have a very Kate half of my being. Because you're the I'm entire the industry. Freaking triad. So I have like the relentless, this, here we go. Mm-hmm. I have the relentless swoony thing, which is what I call that. Like, I love everything. Everything's <laughs> all, I have a feeling so many. But then like ha- most of the time when Colby's explaining like his way of being in the world, I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Shit. Mm. <laughs> oh shoot. So like I listened, when I listen to you guys talking to each other, mm. Therapy for me is it's like hearing the two different sides of my brain like hash it out with each other, which is very weird for me. But like I, (laughs) I could not more wholeheartedly agree with both of you in most of your conversations. (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, yeah, 
Wow. Which yeah. is super interesting because I'm yeah. usually over here picking sides. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I am, I'm always just like, oh, like, yeah. Yes. It's like, it really is like those, the, the conversations that happen in my head. So I wind up coming away from listening to you guys talk to each other mm. feeling more seen in oh. the weirdest way than wow. I ever do. You know, so I'm just like, this is very fulfilling for me on a very like holistic level. It's great. So. I don't know. That's all awesome. fascinating. I love it. I know. We often describe Karen as Colby and Kate mixed together into one being actually. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mm. Chaos. Also, there, I appreciate guys. the bone you just threw me because you said I'm often over here picking sides. <laughs> it was an adorable <laughs> plural you put on there. But come on. You. you, you <laughs> You pick side. You are, side, <laughs> side, like, side. It was a gracious, and you're the host of the show, so you wanted me to feel welcome and good. Oh. But I don't know that you've ever picked my side over Kate. So yeah. Yeah. That, that is a projection and an assumption. You're right. It totally is. But that is um, very also funny, really spot on. It's a funny Kate, one, Kate and I, yeah, we have... <laughs> Mm. Oh, I mean, there was only one time very recently online where we like finally disagreed on something. Remember, finally. I called it out because yeah, yeah. I was like, "Oh, like, we finally oh are gosh. different." Yeah, yeah. and then I of course that. we flushed oh, it out. Weird. We didn't really yeah, actually. Really. I mean, but, yeah, yeah. Turns it's very rare for us to not feel the exact same way. Yeah, but the, but to be fair. No, I have I have deep affection for both of you in very different ways. I think actually, mm-hmm. like this is great. Let's let's talk about how we met and <laughs> all this great stuff. Yeah. Um, so, when I, heathens, y'all know, um, I, I moved to San Diego to start a church, uh, plant a church that went to shit. <laughs> that whole experience was, uh, ended really badly, uh, once I started dating, uh, a man. And, um, I ended up at a church here in San Diego. Um, was that, that was, yeah, I guess it was slightly before you guys were hired, hired. On staff at this church because you were there when we yeah, showed I was, up. I, but yeah, but I but just barely. I think I think I got there just before you guys were hired. So y'all came came on, and I was kind of in this place of, um, you know, very recent, very raw kind of church hurt <laughs> um, that that is familiar to anybody listening to this podcast. <laughs> it's why you're listening to this podcast, most likely, um, and. I, so I kept everything at a at an arm's length as, during that period of time. I mean, I did end up I th- doing some music, um, leading some music occasionally at that church, um, but I just wasn't I wasn't going to get super engaged. And so then I moved away for a little bit and came back, uh, heard in a different way. And right when I uh, moved back to San Diego, you guys were starting on a new venture. And I don't want to tell any of your story because I want <laughs> you guys to share some of that um, uh, here on this, on as you talk. But um, but that was the moment for me when um, I really connected to you two because a lot of my closest friends were moving with y'all as you started a mm. new church in San Diego. So I was like, well, okay, I will too, I guess. I had not intended to go to church again. Like I was in my mind, very done, but my best friends were, you know, there, kind of at your side supporting you. And I was like, well, I, w- I want to support this thing too. Like if it matters to these people, then I know it's a good thing. So man, like I've been, you, I, I can't even tell you how much the just role of pastor has been redeemed through the two of you in completely different ways. Um, over the past, is it four years? Four yeah. years now? Yeah. Um, 
because I've always been close with my pastors, and those relationships have always ended pretty pretty roughly. Um, as as I would come out, or as I would move into new phases of my own like growth and development, um, but especially the 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 episode right before meeting you guys, that was it was a like pretty devastating experience to to plant a church, be in it for five mm. years, and then um, be on a journey that was pretty public and pretty open with the other members of that church. Uh, that led me to the place of okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna date now. Like I don't want to be alone forever. I'm not gonna be single and celibate like I thought I might be. Um, and then to have kind of my best friends who I, you know, forged a community with, like to tell me, oh, sorry, you don't, you're not qualified anymore. You're, you're disqualified. Like that was really painful. So I was not looking to be involved in church again. I was not looking to have another relationship yeah. with yeah. pastors. <laughs> that mm-hmm. word had a lot of weight for me. So here we are. <laughs> uh, four years later on a podcast called Heathen and I've got my <laughs> pastors on it who I love deeply uh, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you guys so all that to say can we hear we've heard Kate you've gotten to share a little bit of your your journey on the podcast uh, before but we always like to hear people's heathen stories their descent to heathenism yeah mm-hmm. a descent yeah or a dissent, like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg dissent. Ooh. Like, oh. Because I feel like... <laughs> that was fancy. I feel like that might be more in line with, with you, Colby, because, well, I just want you to, I just want you to share your story with us. Um, heathen means a lot of different things to a lot of people, but we couch it loosely in terms of you had to leave behind a faith that you grew up in for reasons. Mm. <laughs> so... Um, and I know a lot of your story, uh, Colby, but maybe some folks don't listen to our show. So can we hear some of that? Yeah, for sure. Um, as a listener of Heathen, I I think I, my story probably falls in line with a lot of people you've had on before. So uh, I will, I will paint with broad strokes, trusting that most of the audience will be with me. Uh, but being born and raised in a conservative Christian environment, uh, growing up Baptist and then after my parents' divorce, we uh, left the Baptist church, um, largely because the Baptist church didn't know what to do with a single divorced mom and three kids. Mm-hmm. It just sort of got weird and clunky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had to find a, a different church. We found a sort of generic evangelical church. And and uh, that was when I started going to youth group regularly. And uh, the summer going into my senior year of high school was really when everything changed for me going on a, a youth trip. Um, so Kate and I both born and raised in Oregon. This youth trip was down in Southern California, uh, and it was a week-long uh, youth camp designed to empower and teach and equip high school students to do random street witnessing to their friends. <laughs> because <laughs> that's just really important that every high schooler knows how to take a conversation yes, about the weather and pivot it to eternal salvation. Where would you go if like, you died? Yes. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, health. Sweet taco. Let's talk about oh, the taco. you think this weather's hot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been through the training, I can tell. Um, Far from God. And, and I'm a, I'm a young seven you know seventeen year old uh, kid and I'm I'm there on the at this camp just because I thought Southern California would be cool and I liked my youth pastor and I thought it'd be fun but I wasn't like church wasn't really a big deal to me I just did it because it was another thing to add to my list of the reasons why I thought I was popular like okay I'll be a youth group kid that'll that'll provide another avenue by which 
you know, I could provide some sense of popularity or whatever, which I know is sort of ironic to put youth group and popular in the same. But for me, I don't. I was non-discriminate in the uh, <laughs> layers that I would add to increase whatever demographic yeah. of popularity well, I could. it's easy to win youth group, too. Like, that's it, clear. <laughs> it, it was. You're right. Yeah. It was easy to win so youth group. Um, but, man, that, so that first, that first day of, the, of, the, of the, the, the camp or conference or whatever it was, I get back. So they train you in the morning on how to witness to people. Um, I go out, send you out two by two, because hello, biblical. <laughs> and I come back for that no afternoon. Gonna sing? No. no one's going to what? Sing? Karen? Huh? Would you like to sing a song? I, I just got marching ants. Is there any other oh. another two by two? Yeah, what were you going yeah. with there? Isn't there a song about that? Yeah, there is. It's, um... Sorry. Oh. The ants go marching too. No, it's, it's Noah. It's obviously <laughs> Noah. Is it Secret Ambition? <laughs> Nobody I'm curious though, was it two by two Let's go west, uh, young man. same sex? No, sex? I went out with a, um, a, fe- a oh, female. See, that's I don't know if that was by the design. The year or not. after the year he's talking about, he and I were partners. That's true. Wow. The next year I came back and Kate came with that time. That's like uh, the relationship where, like, and we prayed together and. Yeah. Maybe that is what happened. And we <laughs> prayed together some more. The record has been mm-hmm. scrubbed. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> So anyway, I come back from that first morning out, and I just feel like I, I collapse on the bed that I, in the room that I'm staying in, and I just start weeping, which I respect, Karen and Kate, you earlier mentioning that crying is common for you. Not so much common for me. Yeah. And at that point, as a 17-year-old, I don't know if, you had, if I had. Yeah. And I'm just sobbing on my bed, and I'm not really sure why. And it's one of those moments where you kind of get a bird's-eye view of yourself, yeah. and you get a a timeline view of your future. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, okay, I, this week is a, a fork in the road for me. And I could either choose to continue how I framed it back then, like living a life for Colby, which was just get all the attention, get all the glory, get all the whatever I could do that. Or I could use this week to um, make a radical change and start living at that time. I would have said living for Jesus, right? So living for something beyond myself, living for um, living for God and that week just it, it it was such a 180 for me that week uh coming back from that week i joined the youth worship team having never sung in my life and i was horrible <laughs> for the first two three four years but i did it with much gusto and as you said it's not karen it's not too hard to win there um but i came back and i'm like this is what i want to do with my life that week was the week that i knew uh i want to somehow be in ministry Whatever that means, I want to be a pastor. Whatever that means, I just want to. I want to do this. Like this is going to be my life. I had plans to be a graphic designer, go back to the East Coast and study that at Rochester Institute of Technology, uh, <laughs> and all of that changed in that week. Because it, and the reason was is I came back from that morning, and I'm lying on that bed, and what I was conscious of was that I was out there telling people about a God that I did not know about. I was I was telling people they needed to have a relationship with Jesus of yeah. which I did not have. And the weight of fraudulence that cr- was just crushing me that afternoon. Like I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle how uh two-faced it was and how mm. I just knew I was out there just bullshitting people. Mm. So, um yeah, so I came back from that week and my life was radically changed. So then just to fast forward, uh, I became super Christian. I became oversaved. Uh, mm-hmm. it was one of my favorite terms to use. Um, it's be- such a perfect picture. It's, it's like just, it's you, get it, right? you yep. get it. We all so know much. who that person was. And that person was me for a number of years. 
I became a hyper Bible man. Um, You've now sent apologies to old high school. I have sent apologies to people in high school and said, I'm so sorry for how obnoxious I was. Like, Uh, I was so concerned. I was a vigilante for their soul my senior year of high school. Um, It was was intense, but that was who I became. I became like, all right, now I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it all the way. I'm going to be the best at it. Right. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to win well, at the this. the theme among heathen yes. guests. All of um, our guests were the best Christians ever. Best Christians. Yeah. 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 We've it's got a, them all it's, here. It's a thing, right? And so I did that. I did that. I went to college and got a degree in pastoral ministry and became well known for my knowledge of the Bible and my spirituality and my moral living and all the things that sort yeah. of set you apart. Um, but my, my descent or descent <laughs> to heathenism yes. uh, began with yes. reading a, a Brian McLaren book two years after I graduated college and reading this book is called A New Kind of Christian. And it was the simplest, um, simplest thing that, that set me out of path. How did you get path. that book in your hands? I don't even remember. I got that book in my hands because I read a Time Magazine uh, interview with Rob Bell when Rob was one of the top 100 influential people. He, made, he was he made still some super list. evangelical. And he's so super he evangelical. And he referenced that, yeah. Brian McLaren's book, New Kind of Christian. Got it. And I dug Rob from his NUMA videos uh, and his book, Velvet Elvis. I'm like, oh, okay. Let me check out McLaren. Wow. And I read this book, and it's just a fiction book. Like, it's not, Brian, I love you. You know, I love you. <laughs> um, it's not the most well-written book, but it's just a fiction story of mm-hmm. a pastor who loses his faith. Mm-hmm. And But what it did for me is it unlocked permission to ask questions. Mm. Mm. And up at that point in my life, that was not a thing I was permitted to do. Mm. Like in the Baptist tradition, especially, like certainty is king. You yeah. have be prepared in season or out season to give an answer for the hope <laughs> that is within you. Like you wow. had to know the answer. And I knew all the answers. And then I read this book, and all of a sudden, this this invitation to ask questions like becomes uh, palpable for me. And What's then, wild yeah. and beautiful about you is that you. You talked about your tradition being like no questions, but you as a person were like no questions. You were answer man. Like yeah. that was like what drove you and gave you worth as a human being was to be the answer man. So what's so wild and beautiful about you is that you like were willing to follow that that trail of it could be okay to ask questions because that meant so much more for you than what it does for some people of just like my whole tradition, my whole tribe. Not only was it your whole tradition, your whole tribe, it was also your very essence and being and worth and everything. That's you so know? well said. Cause I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm trying to think back and I have no idea why I, um, why I even gave any credence to that. I like, of course think I know the answer. Like, <laughs> like why? I, sh- I should have shut that book halfway through. You should have, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're right, you should have, yes. Do you hmm. want me to tell you why I think it is? Always. <laughs> well, because what you shared of your story before, when you were sharing your story about the beach and the witness, street witnessing and coming back and crying and real- realizing that you were a fraud, you didn't know the God that you were telling people about, that is you. Like when you gave your just description at the beginning where you're supposed to describe who you are, mm-hmm. like I would have said who Colby is is someone who has to be a person of great integrity. Like that's mm-hmm. your highest value. You have to be in line with the things that you value. And so you read a book that's like, oh, it's okay to ask questions. Your soul knew that that was true and your mm-hmm. life didn't match it. So even though that was like how you knew that you were good inside, even though that was how you knew you had worth, what was more important was more, to you than any of that yeah. was mm-hmm. to be in line and be like, and so you just had this something in you that was like, oh, asking questions is actually like 
good, and yet here I am living this life where I pretend. Because you knew you were pretending to have the answers. You yeah, knew you're you right. Didn't I actually have this have gurgling them. insecurity yeah. just below the surface. And pretending is not a thing that you're good with, really, no. deep down inside. Yeah. You may do it, but you're not good with it. Hence mm. the crying on the bed about not living, you know, in line with mm. the things. And so it was just another. It, your whole life is a sequence of that same exact story of sobbing on the bed because you weren't living your life for Jesus. You just keep moving in different ways towards that same story. Mm-hmm. Like you just keep having a reckoning of I'm not living this way in line and then you as soon as you're convicted by something, it's all over. You're going to live 100% that way, you know. I think you're right. Sorry. <clears throat> Can I get a copy of this episode? Yes, <laughs> it'll be on the internet. Later, so. <laughs> and wherever you get your yeah, podcasts. Well well said. So that so you read the Brian Clear? <laughs> yeah, so that, that set me, it's happening right here. That set me on a quest to ask questions mm-hmm. and yeah. to discover that Christianity for 2,000 years yeah. has had multiple responses to all sorts of questions. And I never yeah. knew that. I thought there was so like... just the way ah, you became one saved, thing. you became, okay, no, this is not right. And you yeah. were like passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I hopped on that slippery slope and I just slid. Woo! I just Woo! slid Yay! and slid and slid. Um, eventually, slippery slope is real. It's just to, not bad. It's, it's just fun. not bad. We just eventually moved to Arizona. Took a job there at a large or growing. Eventually became large um, evangelical mega church. But but my journey just kept going down the slope. Just kept moving left. Just kept more and more. Yeah. Um, We're gonna get outside the tribe. Colby. Um, we, uh, a shirt that says that slippery slope life from yeah. our from there our brand go. new heathen merch Woo-hoo! store. Heathen haberdashery. <laughs> I love it. I love mm. it. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 it's all good. But yeah, the slippery slope is long and yeah, yeah. So I just fruitful. Just dominoes, interior dominoes, theological dominoes just kept falling for me, and and I sort of gladly let them fall. And pertinent to our sort of the trajectory of my life. Uh, and our family's life uh, was the the domino of LGBTQ um, equality and inclusion within the church. When that domino fell and I realized, oh, the Bible does not have any justification for discrimination. Um, that was the one that that ultimately got me fired from my church mm-hmm. uh, that, that catapulted Kate and I and our boys out of Arizona, eventually here to San Diego, and through a couple more twists and turns to starting Sojourn Grace. Um, so that, that's a little bit of my heathen story. Um, yeah, I appreciate the space you hold for a broad definition of heathen. Cause I'm wondering, you know, even at this table, like if you all would let me be a heathen, I don't know if I qualify or not. I don't know. I like, like maybe not for you three, but, I, but for most of Christianity, yeah. I'm absolutely, uh, heathen. Yeah. 100% yeah. I'm yeah. heathen. Like, you totally. feel a little bit different than the three of us but you still identify with all the heathen stuff because you're definitely on the outs of conservative yeah, christian for sure for sure yeah but i yeah everyone's in baby yep uh, right you can that's totally heathenism with us. Just like that's so right. grace that's right everyone's a heathen no we just had a a, a guest crystal cheatham who uh deeply Deeply loves the Bible. I uh, freaked out when I saw you had her on. She's, she's the best. Yes. She's great. So we love her. Um, so no, the, the, the heathen definition really does have some a wide nice. <laughs> a wide swath here. That's why I love heathen. Um, all the things. Mm, uh, I do want to say the story that you just 
touched on and hinted at about your departure from the church in Arizona is beautifully and tenderly and wonderfully documented in a book that you wrote Mm -hmm. uh, and published Mm -hmm. called Unclobber. So I want to plug that for you. Thank you. Folks, if you guys haven't read Unclobber, we've talked about it on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's just, it's a fantastic resource for a, like a wide range of people who are asking mm-hmm. that question about LGBTQ plus and church. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was just, it was just great to hear um, a, a really like nice condensed version of I, you know, I, I had done all of that research myself mm-hmm. in years prior uh, leading up to you publishing that book about, you know, why the Bible doesn't actually say what we think it says about homosexuality. Yeah. But but it's such a, like, I can just hand that book to yeah. people now. So, like, for me, like, that's just such a great, like, here, someone else did the work. I don't have yeah. to walk you through this. So I will be forever grateful to you, mm-hmm. <laughs> Colby, for making that that easy for me. Mm-hmm. But also I think it's such a great resource for people on who, who aren't queer Mm-hmm. Ask, but who are asking those questions yes. because you like hearing that from from your perspective as someone who's not queer like that just makes it's just an inroad that I mean queer people we you know try as we might like we're n- never going to have the credibility with somebody who hasn't yet um, who doesn't know they have a gay friend you know right. Right. that person like yep. we just won't have the same level of cre- credibility yeah. that yep. you might and not you know right. you by default might not also have the same level level of credibility that like somebody else in their life might have, but you know, it's an inroad. So it's such a, it's just a great resource. He wields his privilege like a love sword and Mm, it is like a a love love sword. sword. That totally, that's like the compassion comes through really strongly. That's what I have a lot of respect for. And I didn't read it for a long time. I told you this. I didn't read it for a long time. I loved what you said. I don't read books. (laughs) 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 I'm always really hesitant to read things that friends of mine have written because then I'm like, what if I, Oh yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah. really awkward because I'd be like, "Oh, great book, cool, man. <laughs> good job, so good." But I texted you. I'm like, "Okay, but I legitimately loved this book, and I read it all in one sitting." Um, but yeah, I think you managed to walk this really compassionate line between the two worlds in just a way that feels really safe to hand to anybody because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel it doesn't feel condescending, which I think a lot of that kind of literature can. And I think you did that exceptionally well. Oh, that's great. It just is, it reads as a compassionate explanation. Agreed. It's not even remotely the whole, like, you know, there's so much conversation in culture around, um, appropriating other people's stories and things like that. And I know you even got some flack from, uh, the queer community about like, Oh great. Here's another straight white dude telling us, you know, what the Bible platform. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. What the Bible says about us or blah, blah, blah. And that's just not the case at all. You are telling your story and it's actually, it's beautiful because each it alternates chapters. Like one chapter will be like (laughs) a very personal piece of your journey. And then the next chapter will be like, okay, let's talk about this passage in Leviticus and then, you know, back and forth. It's just, it's really artfully well done. So Mm -hmm. unclobber you guys. Um, he's funny. We will not so cancel you. Entertaining. Oh, yeah. You are not canceled. Well, maybe. <laughs> if I find something out. Uh, <laughs> I'm nervous.
one of the things I super love about your dynamic, we just kind of witnessed actually, Kate, like you <laughs> asking, uh, can, can I tell you? Can I tell you what it is about you? <laughs> uh, and then doing that and speaking so articulately about what you uh, know in this person that you know so well. Um, and that's the thing, you guys, that happens with both ways all the time. Like, especially on your on your podcast, I see both mm-hmm. of you like, well, here, let me tell you what I think I see in you. Um, I think that makes for a really phenomenal dynamic for people who are working together as closely as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like to... <laughs> Uh, to to spend so much of your life together. Um, I mean, you guys parent. You have a relationship yourselves. You. I love you so much for not using the word that I hate using. Oh, uh, what? You and I are just the same. We don't like that one word. So you're like, you have a relationship. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, You're and then, and then partners. You, you, yeah, and then there's this um, this org, not organization, group, a collective. There's this collective. <laughs> of, the word is in the name. <laughs> know, right? That you guys have have forged in the world. That people like me, heathens, everybody from he like the full blown like I'm not a Christian heathen, to folks who are you know genuinely who love the bible as much as you do colby you know like that's oh that was that was the thing i wanted to talk about Ah, so we will circle back to the bible um uh so i don't know like there's a little bit of a launching pad like what's it like for you guys (laughs) small question it's fine yeah just a little nugget yeah 14 oh got it yeah 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 Mm -hmm. kind of like douglas mcadams adams mcadams 42 42 yeah Yeah. jackie robinson (laughs) <laughs> we are all <laughs> you go I've said lots of things oh I have too um, I love how we're all so conscious here no I've talked a ton no I've talked a ton um, it's hard it's hard to be so um, I don't know, to be doing so much out in the world with the person that you're the closest to, because mm. being the closest to somebody means that you're also the most, you have the most tension with that person than you do with anybody else. So, um, I mean, we full on recorded a Kate and Colby show episode that Matthew had to swear to never use. Um, then yeah, we've recorded I a whole episode. A very where, binding NDA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, one time, so there was there was one that he had to just swear he would never use. So he just has it sitting. I mean, unless you delete it, I don't know what you did with it. But um, it's actually right here. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one that he had to sort in a reason. Then there was one where we had to send him out into our yard so we could take a break so we could fight for a bit. It, we weren't able to resolve it, so he had to leave for the night. Um, so it's just shit like that all the time. You and know? there have been Sundays where we're setting up for church mm-hmm. and we get into a, a, each other. A, a, an argument, a fight before church, and that's not fun mm-hmm. because there is there's been times where we couldn't resolve it, but we had to just be like, well, we got to go do church now. Yeah. So yeah. Which leads me to ultimately what I would say about what's it. Cause your question was like, what's it like? Yeah. What's it like is it's a really freeing way to live because we've set up our lives in a, such a way that 
like the church example is a great example. We have this huge brawl, and then in like old conservative evangelical world, you would have to fake it oh, mm-hmm. wow. because but it's we, traditional right, to you, fight before a church. Yes, yeah. and then traditional to be happy anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't do that at Sojourn. And yeah, sure, we didn't stand in front of the microphone and bleed all over everybody. Right, be like I'm so pissed at you, Colby, and like have a fight in front of everyone. <laughs> that would be sure. weird. But we also didn't have to put on a happy face. And if people asked me how I was doing, I sure as hell answered not well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't then go and stand together and put on a little show. Yeah. If we were planning to do that, we canceled it because there's no way we could do it. Like, we're not going to put on a show. I mean, that just really, for me, is a picture of our lives is that mm. it's conflict all the time. And just learning that conflict isn't bad, and it's led us to all the beauty. I mean, every episode of the Kate and Colby show you've ever heard was moving through conflict and embracing it and just living it. And that's what that's what Sojourn is. It's just like, hey, life is conflict. Let's do it together instead of apart. And that's our marriage, and that's that's all of it is just yeah. leaning into the pain parts. So. Yeah, the things that we make in the world, whether it's podcasts, church, or children, are just sort of the beautiful sparks the the flames that get created between our friction our friction like yep. our two oh, very absolutely. opposing forces in so many ways mm-hmm. fortunately we share uh some of the deepest values yeah so that lets us be binded and bounded in a right way we would absolutely be divorced living apart not running a church together yeah, if I mean, it weren't for that um, um we have our and we've talked about that on the kate and Hobie show we have our non-negotiable values mm. that did we not share those, we wouldn't be able to run a church together, do a podcast yeah. together, raise kids together. We just wouldn't be able to do it. So we have these non-negotiable values that then we see all of the mission and vision very differently. Yeah. So we'll name everything differently. We'll talk about everything differently. We'll fight till we're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, we value the same thing. And that's kind of what's cool about doing what we do together so closely and so often is that it it doesn't allow us to stagnate hmm. i think it doesn't allow <laughs> yeah. us to coast like our our the the constant opportunities for friction allow us to continually sharpen each other mm-hmm. like just how many couples uh, you know will reflect back and just sort of notice this slow gradual blah we were just um, and, and i just don't like the way our lives go right now we just that's not really an option yeah. for us. Yeah. And it's, We're always going to fall on our shit. Intense, but, yeah. but I think it's also, yeah. I wouldn't trade it for anything. The word that comes up for me the most when you say what's that like is it's so triggering. Like we were just constantly triggering each mm-hmm. other's shit all the time. Um, there's not an episode we've recorded, not a church service we've um, curated where I haven't just been triggered the hell out of that but like you just named like that's a good thing like it's really healthy yeah like if okay sojourn if it was created just by colby wouldn't be very good if it was created just by kate wouldn't be very good like it has needed both of our and of course uh, you know many other beautiful amazing people as well but it has needed both of us to be pushing and pulling and fighting for our voices and perspectives and pushing the other one and you know what i mean like it's it's it's, yeah. yeah Everything about it is the yin and yang of us. That's what you see. Yeah, mm. For sure. So, I don't know. What's it like? It's good. It's terrible. It's all the things. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It's 
fun yeah, too. It's so much fun. It's fun. Yeah. Oh, we get yeah. to do life together. There's been so many times where I've wanted to quit. I've told you that I was going to quit Sojourn. I've told Karen that I was going to quit the Kate and Colby show. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just so many times when I just want to quit. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it freaks me out every time. Yeah, Colt doesn't do well with my um, quit. <laughs> yeah, so. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. Those are the ramifications yeah. of that. Yeah, are broad. For me, I'm like, it's yeah. just also just the language. Again, the differences of language. So, like, just the the mm, way Kate yeah. talks. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it's a way. Mm-hmm. For her, it's just talking. For me, right. it's a way <laughs> that Kate talks is so not how I talk. Yeah. That yeah. what I what she says and what I hear are just two different things. Yeah. Uh, and I saw true. this played out with our kids um, uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jay, our, our third child, who oftentimes gets sort of left out. He's sort of the classic middle child. Um, mm. He was in his room just sobbing, and I mm. go in and check in, check on him, and he was upset because he was not. He was being uh, excluded from playing with his older two brothers. They're doing some Lego thing, and and once he was able to calm down, he was able to say that that um, he said to his two older brothers, "I never get to play Legos with you," and our oldest son, who is a freaking spitting image of me argued with him and said that's not true you don't never get to play with us like you do sometimes get to play with us hmm. and for jay that just set him off like mm-hmm. uh, argue with my language yes. yeah. <laughs> so i so just because of the work that you and i have done kate like i know that that to say you never i never get to play with you is a way to speak how you're feeling it's a way to name you what your reality is you, like passion, yeah. this is mm-hmm. yes and for if he pe- just said sometimes I don't get to play, that doesn't communicate anything. Yeah. <laughs> but Zeke just responds like I do, like you can't say that because <laughs> three Tuesdays ago we played together. Like therefore you cannot say we've never. And so that's like in our own relationship. Factually, like, <laughs> yeah. The history of me disallowing you from hyperbole or mm. from using a language that just paints your emotion because I'll find a technical. Like I wouldn't. We'll finish a movie and you'll say that's the best movie I've ever seen. Yeah. And I'm like, how can you? Of all the Wait a minute! You've been able to like <laughs> figure out that that movie supersedes mm. all the other movies, and whether it's true or not, like in terms of accuracy, what her list would be, it's true it for her true. to say right. that. Right. That That's but for me, so I would good. never say that sentence unless it wouldn't be true. I, it you. wouldn't be true. Yeah. Like I have to do the work to decide. Just our ideas. <laughs> Has it dethroned Lord of the Rings? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes or no? Yeah. Right. Okay, um, awkward pivot. This is such a classic Kate thing to do. I can't believe I'm doing it. But, um, we can go dark. That whole... No, no, I'm not going dark. Um, <laughs> I'm going really soft and beauty. Um, that story you just told about our kids, I haven't had a chance to say this to you, so I'm going to do it in a microphone on a podcast, and I'll cry through it, and it'll just be what it is. Uh, <laughs> but that story you just told about dealing with Jay, I was sitting out on this couch right here, and I'm pointing to, to our friends that people can't see, and listening to the whole thing, and I was shaking sobbing because of the difference in who you are and the difference you're making in the world and the difference you're making in our kids because you're able to emotionally meet them now like the fact that you took everything that you've learned over the years every bit of emotional intelligence that I've taught you I know how that sounds and I don't even fucking care right now and that you've taken it and you've learned and grown and like our kids were flat out telling you things that were triggering to you I know you were triggered all over I could hear it. I was sitting on the couch going that triggers him I know you. So I was like, that triggers him. That triggers him. That triggers him. Oh, that just really triggered him. And I listened to you move completely through it and stay soft and stay completely present. 
and not allow the triggers to take you to that place that we think of when we think of the stereotype dad and the stereotype man. Mm. And you walked our kids through all this emotional growth and wholeness and dealing with conflict. And I was just dying. I was like this, I could die right now and just be completely good with life because I know that unlike my family story and story of origin, if like I did die, okay, I am going dark. I'm totally going dark. You said I was going to do it. And I am. But like if my biggest fear in life is if I died, I'd leave my kids with an emotionally unpresent father. That's my biggest fear. And I was sitting there on that couch thinking, I could die tomorrow. And I was leave my kids with an emotionally present father. I can die now. Like, I'm good. I'm good. And it was like the most beautiful, amazing thing in the world. Sorry, I just totally hijacked Heathen by sharing that story. But you were telling the story, and I couldn't help but tell you my perspective of it. I was sitting there just like, that's who Colby is now. Now, that's who you are. That's who you've become. That's the work you've done. So, thank you. Wow. Sorry. Oh, we're fine. We're just over here. Not we're fine. I'm not we're fine. We're fine. fine. First of all, that's First not a hijack. Much. That is, um, I mean, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. So, ugh. and it, exactly, <laughs> you just you just lived out the, like the whole question I posed to you, which was very yeah. What's it like? That's what yeah, it's like. It was very much. It was very much a leading question mm-hmm. because I mean, I, I this this right here, like this is the kind of thing that for me helps to redeem the idea that designated spiritual leaders aren't in and of themselves a bad thing, right? Like people who have that calling, who have that, um, who make that their profession and their passion. Like, like you guys have done so much to make it okay for me to be present in a church again and to look to, um, people who I, I, like, I genuinely don't believe probably the, some of the same things that, that, um, Colby, you believe, you know, like, but I mean, talk about cancel culture. Like that, I, I don't, I don't know how to put words to what I'm, what I'm trying to say right now, but mm-hmm. I just deeply value and appreciate the way, um, that you have grown into that posture that Kate's talking about and have made it okay. You've just made it okay for me to be at a church where the Bible gets opened, you know, <laughs> that wasn't a thing I ever wanted to do again. Um, so speaking of the Bible, maybe we can actually jump into that a little bit. We've been talking about the Bible a lot on Heathen lately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's is happening? That is that surprising? It is for yeah, me. Yeah. Bit. For me, it's, it's, I feel, I feel surprised by it. It's not a, it's a thing that I think I would have been fine never talking about again. Yeah. Like, I feel like I put in my hours. I'm good. Like, <laughs> I did my duty with the Bible. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, here we are. He then has a life of its own with the deconstruction and reconstruction. <laughs> <laughs> it sort it, of takes on its own trajectory. It does. Yeah. That's what I love about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. This is everywhere. Um, I mean, Kate, even a, a couple years ago at Sojourn, you had a moment, it was actually, it was post-election, right? Yeah. Yeah, you had a moment where you were like, you know what, like, I've been really hesitant to even, like, claim some of this terminology, Christian, um, using the Bible in my sermons, that kind of thing, and, you know, a switch seemed to flip for you at that time, you know, from from the perspective of someone listening to you in in the audience that day, like, you were like, no, like, there is a lot of reclaiming that needs to be done and uh, owning of the story that that 
know, a certain type of, of Christianity has monopolized. Yeah. Um, and I think both of you are doing a lot of work with that. So I guess I'm asking a question about sojourn. Like what's it like to pastor a, a group of people as disparate as we are? Um, and then also to kind of like do it, like hold it lo- so loosely that mm-hmm. you're willing to, I mean, early on within that first year, I think you guys asked me to stand up and give my testimony, which we call faith formation stories <laughs> because we <laughs> use different language sometimes. Um, and I think I even told you beforehand, I was like, it's not going to be, it's going to be like, I'm going to tell people I'm not a Christian <laughs> and like, I'm up here leading. We were like, we know that's why we're asking you to do it. <laughs> right. Or like me on Christmas Eve and they're like, you know, which one of these words do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know what the word Christ means. Mm. And we're like, great. Yeah. That's probably do the one, one to do. <laughs> yeah. So Christmas Eve, I'm like, I don't know what this word means. Mm. Microphone. And that's, that's radical to me. Like that is it's so radical. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. baffling. It's not an experience I've ever had in, Mm-mm. in uh, Christendom in church to, to encounter people who believe passionately and deeply uh, for themselves. And then also like make the space so open and hold yeah. so loosely that you're willing to, you know, hand over the mic to somebody who is going to say, hi, not a Christian. Don't believe. Yeah. What? I mean, first of all, why did you start a church after <laughs> your series of <laughs> experiences with church yourselves? Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll just say this. I We started Sojourn and literally, I think I might have said this on my Heathen episode, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, so we started Sojourn coming out of a bunch of church hurt. Yada, you know how it goes. And, uh, but Colby still knew, absolutely knew his passion. You know, he's that like, I have my North Star, I'm following it, I'm good person. And so he was like there and he was good and he was starting a church. And I could either go the direction of being the pastor's wife and supporting him in this and watch him start a church where he's the white straight male leading of this church being a pastor. Or... I could stand up and say, actually, I think this church, if it's going to survive at all, needs uh, me to do it with it. And there, there was a third option, which was you could have just been like, babe, that's fine that you do your thing, but like, I can't do church anymore. You could have, you could have gone out. Totally, but, I'm, but we are in relationship, and so I knew that I would still have to support you somehow. Okay. So even yeah. in that third option, you're right, that's a third option, but it also still involves supporting you. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, and I couldn't stomach it. I literally, like this is vulnerable to say, but I think I already shared it on Heathen. I couldn't stomach the thought of watching you lead a church because there was something in me at that point, which I still stand by, that couldn't handle watching ad guy start a church and lead a church. I just, I can't do it anymore. I could never go to a church where just a guy was leading it. I couldn't do it. And so here I am in relationship with you, watching you go down that path. And I'm thinking, I have a responsibility here to not let that happen. I, I can't be okay with it anymore. I've been I've been living my entire life in patriarchal co- church culture. I can't... It, for me, it felt... This is how deeply I felt it. I felt like I would be somehow complicit in patriarchal church culture if I stood by and let you start a church on your own. That's how deeply I felt it, that it felt like that for me, of like, I would be a part of this thing that is unhealthy. So I just stood up and was like, I'm going to be a pastor here too. Um, so that was my reason for doing it. And then everything you're describing of our church and, you know, telling the guy who doesn't 
you know, isn't a Christian to share his story. The reason why we have a church like that is because we started it from a place of, of the yin and the yang again, of like, that's where I was at. Yes, you're right. I had a shift when the election happened. Mm -hmm. It, it was just a shift in needing to say, you guys can't own that story. Um, Because we all know by now that story is the most powerful thing out there, right? And I just couldn't let the Christian story continue to be so powerful down that road. If it's going to be so powerful, then God damn it, it's going to be so powerful this way towards love and reconciliation and justice. Um, So that's why I reclaimed the story. But when we started Sojourn, I wasn't there. I was, oh, fuck no, I want nothing to do do with Christianity at all. Yeah. So I did. I preached sermons, but not through the Christian lens and not through using the Bible at all. Um, and I think that, I don't know what language you want to use. I think that somehow that was like meant to be. I'm doing air quotes that people can't see, but I think that was like meant to be. you tried to not believe in coincidences mm-hmm. and just didn't work. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like that. Like I've tried to not believe in spirit or like a path and a plan and meaning. And it just doesn't work. Like yeah. somehow this magical magic is probably my favorite word right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's just this magical thing transpired where, I mean, our marriage was falling apart. Yeah. Like we were, do- we were destined for divorce papers. We were falling apart we as humans were falling apart. Um, We were at different places in faith. I mean, staying up all night fighting about what we thought about (laughs) Jesus and the Bible. And so we started a church together. And we started a church together (laughs) in that. And all I can say about that is that that's why our church is the wonderful, beautiful, life-changing organism that it is right now is because of that, that pain and mess. Like, that's what started this beautiful thing where people can stand up and in the microphone say, I don't call myself a Christian. And Christians and non-Christians alike keep showing up and doing community together. That's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You know? I Mm -hmm. have to believe Mm -hmm. in some sort of, like, beyond us but also within us at the same time, paradoxical, magical thing. Mm. Whatever you want to name it. People call it God. Whatever the hell you want to call it. I have to believe in it somehow. Even when I don't, because it it's led us all to where we are right yep. now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. I, I I'm super comfy with you saying like it was meant to be, in the sense that when you say that, I'm reminded of I think I think it was MLK that the moral arc of the universe is long and it bends towards justice. Mm-hmm. Well, he was quoting somebody else, but yes, he said. Uh, okay, that's right. Um, yeah, uh, and so I think what you and I set out to do was justice work. Yeah. In, in some form or shape, we were, like, going to... Absolutely, so, yeah. so we were on that. So if it bends towards justice and we're doing the work, like, it it kind of is sort of meant, like, mm-hmm. we're called, we're meant... Like, it does eventually sort of sync up into the direction and the flow of what God, divine being, source is trying to do with this place mm-hmm. or is hoping for this place. And I think we got into that river at, at a very unique part like you said in our individual lives and in our collective life and in our communal life mm. um 
and so yeah, I think in many ways we did jump into that river that is is and will be meant to be. Uh, I totally am with you on that. Uh, I also think about um, how sojourn is you. One of the things that we knew early on, and I don't know if it was conscious or not. You'll probably remember conversations better than obviously than I would. But we knew that we couldn't just form another church that was centered around a, a different, better set of beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like we we had to sort of like approach the whole thing differently. So yeah, that was very intentional. Yeah, but, yeah. so we knew that we were going to build this thing on values. We we're going to like we could do life with some pretty diverse ranges of people with diverse beliefs and diverse ideas about the world as long as we are committed to some core values. values yeah. If we can like do that, mm. then that opens up a whole range of space where it's not threatening to have someone say, I will speak about Christ, though I don't know who Christ be. Mm-hmm. It is not threatening to the community to have yeah. someone say, I would like At to lead Christmas. you in worship today. <laughs> I'd like to lead you in worship today and I don't identify as a Christian. If you can create a community that's not built on belief, then that becomes not threatening anymore. Yeah. And we we have a space for it and we honor it. And, yes. and so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, as I work with, continue to work with church planners, like that's just what, the, that's the drum I keep beating is yeah. don't just build another set of beliefs that people have to acquiesce to. Otherwise, yes. you're probably just going to, That's our biggest piece, not that you asked for advice, but that's our biggest piece of advice for anyone who wants to start something is stop starting things based on a system of beliefs. Most, like, okay, so there's this huge complaint out there that there aren't enough progressive churches. Like, people will be like, I don't have a church to go to. We get messages, like, our inboxes are flooded by people saying, I don't have a church to go to. Yeah. Um, But then more and more progressive churches are popping up, but you still go to their website and they still have the same page that says... We our believe. beliefs, yeah, we believe, and they list off dot, their dot, beliefs, dot. and I just think that that's—I know how this sounds, but whatever—that's what sets Sojourn apart. We just don't have that, and we we won't like that's. If that was our we believe page, it, that's what it would be. Actually, is we believe in not having a we believe page because mm-hmm. that's actually you, our we yeah. believe page was. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, you go to what we believe, yeah, and it says what what we as a church, believe about you, the person reading it. So we believe yeah. you are a love child of God. We believe you are the powerful creator. We believe that life. you like, have a voice inside that yeah. tells you the yeah. answers and you don't need us to tell you. We yeah. believe that you mm. are empowered to ask questions, <laughs> all the questions. We believe that you can build a beautiful life out of the broken wreckage of your old mm. life. We And we just like list off all these things about yeah. who people are. It's gorgeous. That's our only belief system. I, I, no, I was recently scrolling through, because I hadn't been on Sojourn's website, and actually I think it was the blog you wrote, Karen, mm-hmm. um, that led me to the website, and then I was digging through. Please some visit Sojourn's blog and read Karen's oh, post. <laughs> oh my gosh. Karen is a writer for the Sojourn Grace Collective blog. Turns SojournGrace.com. Mm-hmm. I posted it to the Heathen Huddle today. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was just, I, I'm going through the website of the church that I go to that I haven't read in a long time. And I'm literally feeling pride. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, this is, I'm a part of this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. That is such a leap, <laughs> such a leap for me for, you know, in four years to, and that's part of why I asked you the question too, of like, why, why, like what compelled you to start a church? Um, because I went through very similar things that you guys went through. Um, and, and I was, you know, at, you, you, well, I, I say you couldn't have dragged me kicking and screaming, but I certainly mm-hmm. wasn't going to start something new, yeah. right? Like I was yeah. like, no, 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 we're, we're done. Yeah. I love hearing your response to the website. This last week, I was in New York with a bunch of super diverse people. Like, I was the minority as a white, straight, cis-het guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and one night I was sitting at uh, at a bar with uh, two guys, a, a black uh, trans woman and a, um, and a and a actually I don't know the identity of the other, but they were both black women. Perfect. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, somehow the subject of my church came up and they pulled up the website on each of their phones and they were reading <laughs> through it and they were freaking out like they it was blowing their minds that a church like this existed and here like See? so sometimes I get so. Like we're so we're acclimated to, to it, it and, yeah. uh, and and I, and I'm in like the the most progressive circles of these leaders across the country, and they're like, "Wait, what? Your yeah. website says this? Yeah. Like this is this is a thing?" Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. so you're not wrong, Karen, when you call it the unicorn church. You say that all the time. I'm constantly it, trying to explain to people because nobody believes that that's a thing. It's wild. Still. It's really hard to get it to, to like say enough that to differentiate it from. <laughs> what people expect it might be. Yeah. It's just not. I remember reading their website the first time and it was hard for me because mm. I was just like, I don't think this is allowed actually. I was like, so I got it. This is a lot of me. There's I don't think there can be this much me. Like I got down. it. It's got to be like Christ first, others mm. second, me third. And there's a lot of me in this website. And like, that was hard for yeah. like, that was hard for, for me. I was like, Ugh. Uh, I'm very uncomfortable, which is good. Yeah. I've since really learned to enjoy being uncomfortable. Yeah. You showed up to Sojourn and were so uncomfortable that you didn't show up again for a bit. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, yeah. And then, and then I asked you to have coffee with me and tell me I couldn't do anything for a while. And you were like, you've asked the correct person. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. I have a thing, but I don't want to derail. Do you have another question? No, well, I mean, I, I do. I'm just, I'm, one of the things I'm struck by actually is the similarities in my church planting. This, this was in 2008, nope, six. 2006 is when we moved to San Diego to start our church. And some of the things you were just talking about, Colby, like, uh, you know, well, well, both of you starting a church around beliefs and things like this. Like, I remember a question being, as we were planting our church, um, you guys, the emergent church movement, mm-hmm. like that's what we were in uh, at the time when we were starting our church. And uh, I remember us having like long ass conversations about, well, you know, we want to have candles um, <laughs> to make the service more spiritual. But we know that oh, the God. candles in and of themselves, like, aren't actually changing anything about, about mm. church. Uh, so what do the candles mean? Like, like just... So sincere. Whole meetings. Yeah. Yeah. Whole meetings around, like, well, we know the candles are going to make us different um, and make us more appealing to a certain people. But, you know, why? Why are we doing the candles? So... Hmm. Even yeah, everything has to have a meaning, or a, you know, there has to be a doctrine behind it, or a belief, or it or really a, doesn't. A <laughs> yeah, in that mindset, that's what I'm totally. I know. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it's it's striking to me too because we were, so many of these same sources were inspiring us. You know, yeah. yeah. Right. My <sighs> the emergent church hadn't come out like Brian McLaren's the, no. the father, right? And yeah. yet mm-hmm. he hadn't Not like then. fully. So people just thought, You're oh, right. it's church, but cool church. It's church, that's but what cool. people thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what I. That was ultimately what I found out in my journey and my mm-hmm. process. Um, because, I mean, I came out to. I actually came out to the mega church, the very conservative mega mega church that we were um, in at in Reno, which is the church that kind of sent us out to plant the church down here. 
um, I came out in the terms that at the time it was, you know, like That's I have same sex attractions, mm-hmm. I'm single celibate, blah, blah, blah. So it was cool as long as I had a, you know, a, ment- a very close mentor attached to me who kept me in check. Perfect. <laughs> Did you do anything gay this week? Um, <laughs> Uh, I wore a pink shirt, sir. I'm sorry about that. Can you please confirm that that was a legit question that was asked to you? My gender was in question. Um, Did you study? No, it was not. That that was not a legit question. But wouldn't that have been amazing? Mm. That was the tone. That was the general vibe, though. I mean, come on. That was That's what you were being asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we all know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, New Kind of Christian was the book. For yeah. and I'm gonna I'm, I'm kind of calling this person out and I've not really done that a whole lot uh, but I mean I was best friends with this person who was the pastor the mm-hmm. the, the lead lead founding pastor of the church I moved down to be the worship leader um, and this person was my best friend and for seven years we were we were super close um, apparently not that close because I was deceived into thinking that like he had gone on a journey with me. Uh, in ter- in terms of understanding sexuality, um, and that I thought by the time I was gonna uh, that I that I did come out in terms of being like I'm I'm gonna date, I thought it just wouldn't be an issue. I didn't foresee anything you happening. Were blindsided. Can I ask a question about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hear you question the closeness. This is what you just did right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um. Is that how you, is that like how you frame it now? Like, do you legitimately well, I, question the closeness? I don't or question. Do you find yourself like just so utterly shocked by his response. Like, like what, what do you think his response was rooted in? Because what if you were as close as you thought? Yeah, maybe, and maybe we were. Then, where, then why do you think he might have responded the way he did? I, I think it was uh, there was just a level of unhelp on both of our on both sides that we weren't aware of at the time. So like retrospectively, I can look back at that relationship relationship and be like, Oh, like that was super codependent for me. Um, okay. And for him, I think there was something. I, I mean, even though I was like in a codependent place where I was very acquiescent and I mean, the, when he did tell me the first time he did tell me, Oh, I actually believe like same sex relationships are a sin. I, my immediate response was to, and, and, and the reason I told him that was because I had my first kiss with a man. And this was early on, actually, this is long before I was okay with it and started dating. It almost happened by accident. (laughs) I didn't even realize it was a date actually. Like that was, that was how, you know, early on in my journey of coming out, I was, I didn't realize I was on a date with a man. I thought I was just like, Oh, out. like he's, he's interested in our church and we're going to like, yeah. Um, and he kissed me by the end of the night. And so I told my friend, I'm just going to say his name, whatever. It's a very common name. So I told Steve the next day, um, this is what happened to me last night. And that was the first time Steve told me like, Oh, okay. So actually I, I do believe that's a sin. So you should not be doing that. Mm-hmm. And that kind of kicked off the next five years of me like, Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm single and celibate then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so that was my level unhealth, of unhealth, but also I'm still an eight, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I still have this very, like... You are fire. Fire. I'm fire, right? And, and I will speak my mind. And um, so I think that there was something in me that he appreciated that I brought to this space that he, he didn't have uh, necessarily. I don't, I don't... If we're talking in terms of Enneagram numbers, I don't know what he was. I haven't thought about that. But... I don't know. It was just, it was just not a, it wasn't a healthy relationship. So I think it was close. 
I do think it was, we were very close. I mean, we, I shared everything. Like I was very open about my life with him, which is why I was so surprised that by the end of five years, he hadn't budged on that stance that he had told me about. That's the, for me, part of what that it highlights is the power that that type of religion has over people, Mm -hmm. which is to say like he, he, his commitment to a particular idea of God, which involves having the correct belief about the the things and the correct living, that commitment is so, was so strong for him that your, that your presence, your being threatened that and, and, relationships lose oftentimes when they're fighting against that conception of God, that type of religion. That's just how strong. So I can, I can put myself in Steve's shoes and I can like feel that I do love you, but I am essentially a slave to the law. Yeah. (laughs) You know, which Apostle Paul has a lot to say about ironically. Um, But I'm a slave to this sort of way of of being in the world. And as much as I love you, I, I can, for me, I would say you're trapped. You're trapped in that system. So it's powerful, super powerful. Us leader personalities who grew up in the church all have a story of that of choosing the law over relationship. Yeah. Like I've written about yeah. my story with my brother. Like I chose yeah. religion over relationship, mm-hmm. and that's that's just what we do. And you, when you have that experience, you can't look at like your tendency as a progressive is to look out and be like, "You jerks, you don't really love people," but you know it's not true because you were there mm-hmm. and you loved like I love my little brother yeah. but I chose religion yeah yeah because that was what I was taught to do that's what you're getting at right mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah you, that's can, what we do. you can make yeah. that choice oh and it be, makes me sick still yes yeah. I understand love, it but yeah. One, yeah I mean I've always been support staff right so I've been in rooms with both of the people on other side of that with this person crying from the rejection and this person crying from the having had just feeling trapped in that Mm -hmm. place of like I have to I have to do this even though it feels kills you completely wrong to do it and like there's nothing like of the whole spectrum of Christianity there's no part of it that is more heartbreaking to me than the isolation of those two rooms you know and the distance between those two rooms like that that that's hell, you mm, know? Yeah. Like, that's the worst fucking thing. It is. Which is why it's that much more remarkable to me, the story, your story, the Martin story, yeah. uh, Christensen Martin and Martin's story. Um, because now that I think about it, he's a three. Like, for sure, 180%. <laughs> and and Colby, this, this is why I think I, I, I had a lot of skepticism with you early on. Mm. I really did. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I knew I knew the things that had motivated you. Rob Bell, Numa videos were like a huge thing for us, like at, at our church in Reno. Reno, um, Brian McLaren's book. So, you know, I had gone through through this experience with a person who kind of approached life with a sim- similar posture, and that's why it's so remarkable for me to have witnessed the past four years with you mm-hmm. two, because you did what this person didn't. You know, like. What you called out early on in this episode, Kate, um, pointing out that uh, the way that once once you recognize something is inauthentic, like you're no, it's not good for you anymore. <laughs> like you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, so it took a minute for me to 
for honestly for you to kind of earn my trust, I guess. Sure. If we're going to couch it in those terms, but I'm, I mean, I'm there. I'm Which so, you're, so there. you should do. Like, I'm a huge <laughs> proponent. I I I will sound that gong. Like, you have to earn people's respect and trust, and I don't think that people should just be trusted and respected. Yeah. Like, that's. I I probably say that in our relationship a lot. Like, no, I'm not gonna just respect you because I'm supposed. To. I mean, love and respect, caring, right? Mm. Like, we're supposed to like just respect your humanity, respect, but but yeah, but, but respect not, your yeah. I'm not gonna trust you and follow yeah. you and listen to you and but you speak into my life. Yes, and be close with you. Take your advice just because, just because you say um, right. you have to earn that and. Yeah, so I just love what you're saying that they, Colby. I I think you should own that shit that Colby had to earn that. Like absolutely, he did. He presents us. I mean, he's a straight white male. First of all, het says straight. Where I mean, all the things um, being redundant. Mm. But the point is that you present, and then you're super successful. You're articulate. All the things that like our youth pastors were. <laughs> we have mm-hmm. this baggage with all the things yeah. that Colby presents us. But then he. You get to know him, and he's this yeah. compassionate fighting for justice. I'm on your side no matter what. I promise you I won't be lacking integrity person. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. And then and then his voice is only more powerful because he's earned yes. that trust and has that, you know, that presentation only is more powerful is what I'm getting at. Because you do match everything that we've always known, but then you don't. Right. <laughs> Entirely don't. Yeah. Right. And that's mm-hmm. that's like, I wish we had time to get into the whole like, toxic masculinity conversation thing, too, mm-hmm. because, well, that was... Do I, we not? May, I mean, <laughs> sure, I have no idea. Why the, are we on hour three right <laughs> Probably, now? Probably, but um, that's okay. This is how we roll. Well, just because... Can Karen and I be the ones to talk <laughs> about toxic masculinity? Let's discuss. We, we have it's, thoughts. It's coming up, for sure. Like, I want to do a whole, maybe even series of yeah. conversations. That but seems like, fair. But, but for me, Colby, like, you're, like, this beacon, this shining beacon of somebody who... Um, I, it's, I don't even want to phrase it the way I'm about to phrase it, but, like, I... Because in my mind, like, from me, my perspective, yeah, like, the straight cis white male, you do. There's some hurdles you gotta you gotta jump over to get to me. And I can only even imagine for, like... I'm, I'm, I'm white male, like... <laughs> and, I, and I... So I already have that in common with, like, the straight cis mm-hmm. white male, and, I, and there's still hurdles. I can't even imagine what it must be like for a trans black person, like who's really experienced a lot of the, the damage and the hurt um, that you experience in life when you're othered. Where am I going with this? I'm just trying to say um, you have to work for it. Um, and, and I'm not... I'm, the reason I'm struggling with this is because I'm not trying to say that that's unfair for you, like, as the straight white cis dude. Um, on, on some level, like... I understand how that perspective comes around and people like people, the conversation with among a lot of the alt-right or whatever is like, Oh, like white men are just being vilified all the time. Okay. Yeah, I get it. But also when you personalize it and I, and you're talking about me and my experience, I'm sorry. Like there's just, there's no, mm-hmm. I don't have to give anybody yep. leeway mm-hmm. or room. Like yeah. I've done a lot of work in that area and you do. You you have to. You have to come to me. Like the divide is not equal in that regard. Correct. I'm not going to meet you in the middle. You have to cross it. Actually, absolutely. So yeah. yes. to encounter somebody who gets it, 
That's all I'm saying, Colby, is that I think you get it. And you have made those eff- that, that effort. You've made effort that people of color, queer people, women, um, we have to make that effort all the time. Like, we're, we're constantly having to, you know, go three quarters of the way to meet people where they are to, so that they can understand where we're coming mm-hmm. from because it's just, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. But you've done, you kind of flipped that. Like, you're doing so much of that work and um, coming to meet us where we are. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the key thing, key reasons, I think, that for me, like, I have been able to let go of all of my reservations about Ugh, I attend a church now, and it, you know, like <laughs> there's a guy who loves the Bible preaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, um, can I? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can I share a story that, that I think of pulls that like, some of these threads together? Is it a Bible story? Yeah, because because we talked about be. the Bible. I know. It, it pulls together the Bible. I was thread. waiting for it. Like Colby's gonna the bring Bible out the Bible. Thread. It pulls together the Why Sojourn thread. It pulls together this straight. Colby will wrap thread. everything up with a Bible story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, but before I do, but it'll be a heathenistic. I do. Bible I, should, I, I genuinely mean it. I love it. Okay. So, mm. um, but before I do that, you said I get it, and I just wanted to say I I feel like I'm getting it. Mm. So I thank you for reflecting me back to me, but. I'm conscious of how far I still have I'm to go. I'm telling you that it, it is seen and I notice it. it. Thank you. It matters to me. Um, so one of my favorite stories from the Bible the last couple of years uh, is um, from the book of Luke and Jesus and his friends are walking through Jericho and there's a blind man sitting mm-hmm. out on the side of the road as blind men did begging for food, for money, for something. And he asks someone who's this who's this walking by? There's this Brussel, this crowd walking by and someone says, Oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And somehow this blind guy knew that Jesus had some sort of skills in the art of something. And so he just yells out Jesus of Nazareth, like son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, and he can't get Jesus's attention. So he yells louder, son of David, have mercy on me. His disciples are annoyed at this point, uh, that this guy is creating such a ruckus. So they go over and say, hush, man, like Jesus doesn't have time. We have, we have places to go. Hush. Uh, uh, And yet that didn't deter the man. He yelled out louder, like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Finally, he's loud enough to get Jesus' attention. And so wherever Jesus was in the crowd, he hears this guy yelling. Um, And you know what? He could have, uh, you know, from other stories, Jesus probably could have shouted back, um, like asked what the guy wanted. He probably could have done some long distance healing. There's a couple stories of that. Uh, He probably could have made some spit like spit in the mud and maybe flung some dirt <laughs> at the guy's eyes across the street. Made a good mud mask. Made a good mud, pie, <laughs> mud mask. <laughs> he could have done something from a distance. But what he did is he turned to his disciples who had just moments ago said to the blind man, hush, Jesus doesn't have time for you. We're in a hurry. He turns to his disciples and he says, go get him and bring him to me. I love that story because Jesus puts the onus on the people who had just previously restricted access to this for this marginalized person to mm. find grace and healing. They were the ones that built the wall and the barrier. And Jesus says, you just built this barrier. Now it's your responsibility. Go get him and bring him to me. I'm conscious of, like, I identify with the disciples in that story. Like, my, my people, my straight white <laughs> men people have been in the business of creating barriers and restricting um, access for people in yeah. all sorts of ways. And I... So for me, like my people have been building these walls. And so why sojourn? Like why the, why do I do the work I do? Because it's up to me to, to, to go, 
to go out and to do the work. And like, I can't expect anyone to come at this point because I am part of the legacy that has built the wall. So I need to go tear those down, find the people and say, Hey, I've got, I've got some good news to offer and it's for everybody. So I'm freaking out right now. I love that you shared that story so much because the whole time Matthew was talking, I was like wanting to say something, but then you said, can I share a story? I was like, I got to love this Bible story. So I was kind of going, like, shit, we got to go to the Bible route. But then the Bible story you shared was exactly what I wanted to say just through the Bible. And then, of course, I'll do the yang part of the yin-yang where I'm like, not Bible, but that whole like straight white men being vilified thing I get super passionate about as you know I'm super fiery and I'm like no it's the onus what I was going to say before you shared your story is that the onus is on them and the onus isn't on them because of some sort of unfair system against them the onus is on them because of some sort of unfair system that's for them systemically in favor of them so like your life has been in favor of you and against me and our whole story and our relationship has been me saying whoa hold on the onus is on you to do this work to stop acting like you own my body to stop acting like you are the king of everything sure has that put more pressure on you have we had i'm getting full-on vulnerable here so sorry you can have matthew edit this out if you don't want me to say (laughs) these things but full-on like no, Colby, you have to do the work. You have to stop thinking that you're the king of this household. I get that you don't like intellectually think that, but you're still acting it out because you were raised as a straight white boy. Like you just were. You have to do that work. And constantly putting that work on you to where we've even had times where you're like, why am I always the one saying sorry? And I'm like, because you're the straight white dude. That's why. Right? But it all comes back to that. And so when you share that story, I'm like, hell yeah. Like you, you've had a reckoning and you've gotten it that the onus is on you, but like rightfully so because the system has been for you. And so, yeah, you have to do extra work that God, we're tired of doing. Right. And, Mm -hmm. but then Colby comes and does it. And I, I'm constantly living in this, um, dance of like, I don't want to give you cookies, but I want you to have every cookie that exists. Like, I want to make you the best cookies ever. <laughs> like, I don't want to praise you, but I so want to is praise this a you. a metaphor for something? It okay. totally is. <laughs> I'm starting to sing this 90s song, rap song. But no, like, I, I really constantly do that dance of, like, I want to call you the best human being that's mm. ever existed, but at the same time, like, yeah, but I created that best human being. So <laughs> just, you know what I mean? It's that constant dance. You're the best and you're welcome. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's true. Like, the it's, onus is on you. You're not a victim of some sort of vilifying the straight white male. No. It's just the system has been for yeah. you, and therefore, I mean, it's both, it's paradoxical, because it's both unfair and entirely fair. Like, it is unfair that straight white males are raised that way. I say that all the time because I look at our yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah. Like, raising four little boys has, like, nothing else. Sorry, I constantly do this. I jump on my soapbox. I'm like, I'm leading the heathen podcast. I'm not. Sorry. But raising four little boys, I look at them and, like, a mother's love, right? Like, I'm like, these poor sweet babes. Like, they were just born into this world. And they have all this privilege put on them. And it's not fucking fair. They're not villains. They're not looking around being like, I own everything. And yet look at them they're like i own everything it, it's both and it's all this, it's yeah. so unfair to them and yet at the same time they don't get to say that it's unfair mm-hmm. to them no absolutely not the system is for you both and yeah. like and it sucks it's so hard and i say that all the time like constantly doing that dance of it sucks babe and yet also <laughs> i'm sorry but you've been swimming in your privilege do your work you know, yeah. all the things. I know, I love it. The whole, like, things. I want to give you cookies and also, like, I'm making that. Like, 
Because, because what happens for me when I witness that, that you taking the step past that 50% line, right? Like it, like it touches me in a really deep way. Like I'm moved. I, I moved like frequently to tears thinking about that. What, what, what happens in that moment? And I, and it sh- like, it shouldn't be like in the, in the, the way the world should work. Right. Like I shouldn't be that like caught right. off guard when that happens. Right. Like that's the point. <laughs> Um, but I am. And so because the world is the way it is and has been for so long, there's like this, um, special power that you have Mm -hmm. as a straight white male to, to do something that only straight white men can do. Yeah. And it, Mm -hmm. it can be, again, wielded for really awesome moments like that. Like for, like for me being, being touched and moved and melted a little bit, you know, like some of my defenses and walls and things like that, um, relaxing, um, or it can, you know, carry on the status quo. So he's a super, it's like, I watched Jessica Jones and I think that's my husband. Like he's a super, but he Mm. wasn't create, like he didn't choose to be a super and he wasn't even born a super. The system made him a super, the stupid, whatever you call him. What are they called? The whatever that corporation is that made Jessica Jones, like they made her that and it was through tragedy that they made her that and the world made her that and she didn't choose it and she shouldn't have to deal with it, but she takes it on herself mm-hmm. as a super. And she's like, I'm going to wield this power. Beautiful thing. Right. That's it a beautiful is. Thing it's to so see a beautiful. Come into the, but it's also painful and not fair, but no. yeah. really awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. totally how it's I all see. the things. Yep. Mm. All the things. You guys are all the things. <laughs> Everybody is all the things. Everybody's all the things. Has this been a four-hour conversation? No, only, only two, believe it or not. But I know, <laughs> we've covered a lot of ground. I still feel like I could talk to you guys about you guys more things. But here's the thing: I keep reading things about boundaries because I want to be a person who has them. Mm, this is like on my like? list of goals. <laughs> be a person who has boundaries, and I keep bumping into this idea in different incarnations of leadership and heroism and just this idea of like in order to protect oneself and be wise and set good boundaries it is good to lead from a wound that is healed like that's the thing to do i know we're gonna go it's gonna be fine um and every time i bump into this idea there's this thing in me that does this rebel yell of a no because I feel like what you are doing and what you are doing beautifully and what has saved so much for me is flying in the face of this idea that in order to lead, you must lead from a place of answer and sureness. And I know that that is not your nature to lead from the question. And I know that like that's a beautiful part of your nature to lead from the question, but I see it being hard. Like, I think it's true that it's safer to lead from the wound that is healed. I think it's true that that is a good boundary to set and a smart one. But I think that the thing that you are doing by leading from that place creates a space that didn't exist. Like, I think it changes something profound about the world. And I think that it 
takes this idea. I think we've got this whole system that's built around this idea of heroes and leaders that have it together so that they can then teach the togetherness. And like, and that fails every time we see it fail. We see the hero climb to the top of the mountain and be self-sufficient and have his shit together at the top of the mountain. And then we watch him fall. We see this repeated over and over and over and over and over again. And this idea of leadership that isn't interested in that, that is interested in holding your fucking hand and just being like, well, we don't know. We're climbing the mountain. We need everybody's bits and pieces. I see it being hard and I think it matters. I think it matters how hard it is. I think that is what brings us back to it. You know, like that's what makes it safe. That's what makes you trustworthy in all of your cis white maleness. And that's what makes you radical in your fire and your goddamn beauty is just that willingness to like keep coming into it. I'm going on and on, but like that defiance of that safety feels holy to me. That you texted me once and you said, um, you said, I know we're supposed to lead from our wounds that are healed, but whatever, wolves were fucking bleed. And I ran to Colby. And I said, look, look what Karen said. She gave me permission to bleed. Bleed while we lead. I think <laughs> of that every time. <laughs> Literally and every we both time. just like took a breath. Like, didn't we? Because we had just, it was crazy because we had just that week had like real like we've been in real pain and we were like how do we keep bleeding yeah. and then you sent that text and we were like oh we can just keep bleeding from our blood <laughs> okay yeah. cool karen said we can't and it's the worst idea it's like it's a worst. terrible it's idea it's like idea. the worst thing that you could be doing because it can go wrong because it sucks it, it goes wrong go all of the time and it's the like it's so much harder than like having <laughs> and as a person who wants desperately to present a finished product to the world all the time and present the safe like that's what i want want to do so like you're teaching me all of the time to jump into that but like it's the worst and best idea (laughs) (laughs) sorry there's just tears all around right now guys it's awful and perfect Colby has something to say Um, it means a lot uh me hear you say that and I could feel my body like constrict when you talked about how hard it is because it is like this work is really hard mm-hmm. um, but I just don't want to stop doing it I guess it, you said it matters it, it doesn't matter too much to the to the fables <laughs> to the Zeke Ty Jays and Hawks uh, it matters too much don't bring the babies um, into it we won't survive our babies are currently <laughs> sleeping in the same bed together so like imagining that like all this work we do is for them is a little much mm. for Karen and for the crying <laughs> in the room it's a little much yeah. you're right it does but like, yeah it, why it, sojourn for them yeah <laughs> it just it feels good to be seen so thank you for seeing us and mm. the work that we do both of you thank you for seeing us uh, because I don't know, this is a lo- this is historically a very lonely profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we haven't had to experience it that way, huh? We've had Matthew and Karen, we've had the heathens, we've had we've had the privilege of ministry team and our board together. of elders and people. Yeah, like yeah, those words haven't been bad words for us. Instead, we've had community, like actual community to do this with. 
It's been amazing. And we've been giving the gift by not being surrounded by people that put expectations on us mm-hmm. to heal yes, first. That's, like, thank you. Oh. Thank you. You just put words to why I'm crying. Thank you. That Okay, so can I tell a story about Karen? One time I went to her and I told her, you don't even know the story, but I told her that I was going to quit the Kate and Colby show. And she said, cool. I said, we're <laughs> And I was so fucking blown away. <laughs> I've never in my goddamn life experienced someone telling me that that's quit that it's okay to fail that it's okay to suck at something that it's okay for something to be too hard that she would still admire me and love me and see me as a teacher and worthy if i quit something you know and just her saying like sure go ahead quit was like okay i guess i'm not gonna fucking quit because she gave me permission to quit but it's exactly what you're saying like you named why i'm this sobbing fucking snotting over the microphone sorry about your microphone mess because it's that it's that we we have the extreme honor and privilege of doing life with people who don't expect us to be superhuman like i know i just called you a super but the truth is you're just human and so am i and like we have the joy of doing life with people who just see us as that and we just get to do it together and it's fucking amazing and you like cheer on our bleeding and that's the joy of my life. So. I hope many, God. many, many more people get to see you <laughs> and see this way that you're trailblazing. And I, I mean that. Like, this is not a thing that is happening in a lot of places. So, lucky us. Yeah. Right? Um... Yeah. Why do we do this? <laughs> this is a terrible plan. <laughs> this is the most depressing sitcom crossover of all time. <laughs> it's the worst idea and best idea. I've never even seen Melissa Joan Hart cry. <laughs> it's because we, we're trying to... We crossed two Melissa Joan Hart. That was the problem. Yeah. Like we're, we're messing with the time continuum or something here. It's is just, that what it is? Yeah. I mean, Alf and Al, they don't cry. <laughs> Al for sure does not cry. No, definitely not. The puppet. Oh, I love you guys. We love you too. Thank you, Peyton Colby. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, not just for being on our show, for, but for... Man, for four years of amazing insight and journeying and um not being held to a higher standard growth like everything that we've just talked about like not no expectations um community no expectations community like that's literally everything it's the only thing is community like, right <laughs> there you go so i love it thank you guys so much we love you. Thanks for having us. You're good. always welcome at Heathen. Thanks for listening to Heathen. We're here every week. And in the meantime, if you miss us, you can find us in the following ways. Follow at Heathen Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email at askheathen at gmail.com, especially if you have feedback or ideas for future episodes. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and that helps other people find Heathen. And if you'd like to contribute to this community for people who need a soft place to land as they move away from bad religion, you can support Heathen on Patreon at patreon.com 
slash heathen podcast. Well, thank you for your support with exclusive bonus content, which you know is going to be freaking awesome. Wherever you find yourself in this space of godless spirituality, spiritual godlessness, or anywhere in between, you're not alone. We're glad you're here. Here's to the heathens. Thank you.